Good morning again. How's everyone doing? Good. Seems everyone seems a little quiet today, so maybe we can change that. Um, yeah, it's it's been an awesome uh, summer. Um, we we've had some some cool things going on with family meals and that kind of thing. And we did at the movie series in July, and we had some guest speakers, and it was fun. Um, I I kind of took uh, July off of preaching so that I could really focus on praying for vision and direction for the following year. And I really felt like the Lord gave me some pretty pretty cool things and some pretty clear direction that we're headed. And, and I'm really excited about it. And in, in the coming months, we'll, we'll get to, I'll get to share that with you. But just know like it was, it was a, a, a sweet time of, of just getting to be with the Lord and just getting to pray for you all and, and that kind of thing. So um, it was it was very very good. So we had, we were in uh, at the movie series and that was fun. We wrapped up last week with Pastor Jason, uh, kind of talking about worshiping and 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 he he examined the movie Sister Act and that was that was a really good it was a really good message and it really challenged me um, specifically the the don't be afraid to worship out loud part like that was really that was really good. So um, but. This week, we are jumping back into our Roman series. Since about February, we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Romans to kind of understand what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Roman church. And I want to jump back in today. Um, we, we left off halfway through chapter 6, so that's we're going to be examining the last half of chapter 6. But before I jump into the scriptures, I wanted to share a quick story with you. So when I was about 21 years old, um, I was just entering the workforce. Like, I wasn't going to school anymore. Like, I had to become an adult, start paying rent and all that. And so I'm, like, entering the workforce. So, um, but I didn't want to just, like, get a job at, like, fast food or Walmart because I had done those before. And I, I, I thought, like, man, I want a job that I can I want a job that I can like enjoy, you know, and I didn't enjoy those. So I was like, oh, let me go for something else. Well, uh, my brother's best friend, his name is Charles. He got a temp job with the big investment company called Ameritrade. And um, it was a really good job, nine to five, 40 hours a week, you know, and, and he was making like $15 an hour as like a kid in his young 20s. And in 2006, that's a lot of money, right? When you're just entering the workforce. So I'm like, let me apply to be to work at Ameritrade. So I, I applied to work at Ameritrade through this temp agency and I got hired. I got the job. Um, and so I, I show up on my first day and I'm ready to go through orientation. Only the person who leads the orientation wasn't there. I think they were on vacation or something like that. And so um, what they did was they, they took me to the department that I was going to be in and they gave me a desk and they just said, okay, this person isn't here. They can't train you right now. Wait till they get back and then, then we'll put you through the training process. I'm like, awesome. What do I do till then? So they gave me clerical work to do, which is fine, right? That, that's not what they hired me to do, but that's what they asked me to do, so I'll do it. So I'm doing this clerical work my first week, and then I'm doing clerical work the second week, and then the third week comes, and I'm like, man, I think they forgot about me. I think they forgot that I needed to be trained. I think they forgot I didn't go through orientation, but they didn't, they didn't say anything, so i like, maybe... Maybe they just want me to do this. So I just keep doing it. And then the fourth week comes, and I'm still doing clerical work. And <clears throat> the fifth week comes and goes, and I did all the clerical work. And at the end of the day, Friday, they let me go. 
because I wasn't doing the job that they hired me to do. <laughs> this is a real story. This is, this is, this is 100% true. I, I got fired from my temp job because I wasn't doing the job they hired me to do, but they didn't train me how to do the job they hired me to do. So, um, like, as I think about that and as I, like, look back on that time in my life, I, I feel really, like, frustrated by that because I'm like, that's an awesome, like, foot in the door, right? Ameritrade is this huge company that, like, makes a lot of people a lot of money, and I'm like, man, a, a career in finance is, like, a good thing to, like, have, right? And I didn't even last barely a month because I got fired for not doing the job that I was hired to do, even though they didn't tell me what I was supposed to do. There were a lot of people that probably knew what I was supposed to do, but nobody told me. Nobody told me, and I was held accountable for information I didn't know. Have you ever experienced that before? Being blamed for something that you were unaware of, or being held accountable for something you, you, you didn't know you were responsible for. I think we've kind of all landed in, in a situation like that, once or twice in our lives, and it's not fun, right? It's not fun at all to, to learn that you messed up and you didn't even know, like it was a, like, you know, that, that messing up was a possibility. Maybe, maybe you loaned, um, maybe you co-signed on a loan with a family member and you were expecting them to make the payments and you find out the hard way that they weren't paying the note because now the payments are on you. That's not fun. Or maybe you're in the same situation I was. Maybe you got reprimanded at work or, or maybe you got disciplined at work because you weren't doing something you were supposed to do, but nobody told you what you were supposed to be doing. That's not a fun thing to do. That's not a fun thing to, be, uh, to, to go through, right? I think this can happen in our relationship with the Lord as well. I think, um, I think sometimes there's things that we're supposed to be doing or maybe not supposed to be doing that we maybe don't know because nobody told us. I don't want us to be those type of people that, that we just claim ignorance. I want to know the truth. I want us to be students of the word of God because that's his standard and, and that's how we're supposed to live because whether or not we know it, we're, as his children, we're gonna be held accountable to the truth. So we better, we better learn what the truth says. So um, I wanna look at what the scriptures have to say about this today, but first, would you pray with me? Let's pray this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you um, that you've given it to us to reveal yourself to us. You've given it to us to, to let us into your heart. I pray today, God, that, that um, we would be transformed by your word. That it wouldn't just be um, another Sunday. It wouldn't just be another message. We could be transformed from the inside out by your word and by your spirit today. Have your way, God. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 12, but um, before we do, uh, I want to let you know, I mean, I, I say this every time I preach. It's been a while since I preach, but every time I preach, I try to preach from a perspective of there and then. What there and then means, for us to understand how the Bible applies to us here and now, we first have to understand what it meant there and then. To understand the words of the Bible, we have to understand the world of the Bible because the authors 
of the Bible and the, the audience that it was originally written to live in a completely different culture than we do. So our initial understanding of it probably isn't going to be 100% accurate. So we have to understand what was going on there and then. So in Romans, Paul is writing a letter to this young church in Rome. This, this church of young believers, young Christ followers in first century Rome, and he's instructing them in the basics of faith in Jesus. And he, put, he puts the bed, at the beginning of chapter 6, he puts to bed the idea that, that because we're now under God's grace, we can just do whatever we want. He, he puts that idea to bed. He, he says, like, now that we're under grace, does that mean we should go on sinning so that God can show us even more grace? Of course not. He puts that idea to bed that, that now that grace is here, there's no standard. There is still a standard. And that's where we're, we're picking up today. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let your sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires coming in hot right away. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. At the beginning of chapter 6, Paul talks about how, how before, before we were uh, redeemed by Jesus, we were compelled to sin. We had no choice but to sin. Now that we belong to him and we're found in grace, we now sin is now a choice. That's the first time in, in human history that sin is a choice now. And, and, and Paul's saying, you don't have to do it. He's saying, use your, your bodies are an instrument. Your body's an instrument. My body's an instrument. Use them for the glory of God. Now, God is most concerned about our hearts. I'll say this. God is most concerned about our hearts. But whatever's in our heart is going to come out in our actions. Whatever's in our heart, whatever's inside of you is going to come out in your actions. Your body is an instrument. My body is an instrument. The way we use our bodies communicates what we actually value. The way we behave communicates what we believe. And Paul is saying, use your bodies as an instrument for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Back at the beginning of chapter 6, I just said that. Paul puts this idea to bed that just because now we're under grace and we're not under the law, that, that God's law is now invalid. Paul puts that to bed. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying that it's okay to start sinning. He's saying we're not, we're not bound by the, the punishment of the law. And in, in, in verse 15, he says, grace has set us free from the law. What's this, what this means is that grace has set us free from the ultimate punishment that comes from breaking the law. That's what that means. People read this and they think, oh, grace has set us free from the law. That means, they think that means that God's law is now invalid. And that's not, that's not the case. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. God's law is still the standard that we're supposed to live by. Verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Scripture just made a pretty jarring statement here. You become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. 
you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. And from what the Apostle Paul is telling us, we have two options. You either obey sin, which leads to death, or you obey God, which leads to righteous living. And for, for those of us who might not know, like, which one we obey, right? Like, it might be a question like, well, which one is my master? Which one do I obey? Do I obey sin or do I obey God? Well, the barometer is the way we live. The barometer is found in the standard. It's found in the standard of God, right? That's why one of our core values is learning. I want us to be students of the word of God so that we know what the standard of God is so that we can live up to it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If you're not obeying God's standard, then we obey sin. It's that simple. If you're not obeying God's standard, you're obeying sin. Verse 17, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Really quickly, I think it's a really important um, observation to make that he says, now you wholeheartedly obey. I think he's saying it's possible to wholeheartedly obey. It's possible to obey the standard of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, lawlessness which led to even, uh, led even, <laughs> which led ever deeper into sin. Sorry, I can't read. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy, so that you will become holy. That This is why it's so important to understand that God's law isn't invalid. God's law isn't canceled. It's not obsolete. It's not illegitimate, right? Like God's standard keeps us from falling even deeper into sin. Our flesh is already bent towards sin. We, we already like have this desire to sin. God's standard keeps us from falling even more into it. So it's important not to disregard the standard that God's word sets. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. Ashamed of the things you used to do. As a, as a follower of Jesus, have you ever felt like, like when you mess up or when you do something wrong, have you ever felt like this pit of your stomach, awful feeling, this heaviness, like, oh, man, I really messed up? I think we all have. If we're honest, we all have. That's called conviction. That's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit trying to bring balance back to your life because something got out of balance, and the Holy Spirit's poking on that thing, and he's saying, hey, 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 you need to, you need to bring this back into balance. Things are starting to, things are starting to go sideways. You need, to, you need to address this. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is a very good thing. It's not condemnation, though. Conviction is not condemnation. Condemnation, God will never condemn you. Never. God will never condemn you. Let me say it again. God will never, ever condemn you. Condemnation has to do with the person, right? Conviction has to do with the action. Condemnation has to do with the person. You are a terrible person because you did this thing. 
Conviction says, man, this thing that you're doing is harmful to you or to other people. Do you see the distinction? Do you see the difference? Condemnation has to do with guilt and shame, and it has to do with attacking a person. Conviction has to do with addressing and correcting behavior. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is good. Condemnation is not, and God will never condemn us. He'll never condemn you, but he loves us so much that he will He will bring conviction to correct us. Verse 22, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Holiness. Now you do those things that lead to holiness. That is a hot-button word in the church world, holiness. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And, and over time, that word has come to mean something like really like super sacred and spiritual, like almost so heavenly you can't talk about it, right? That's, that's kind of what holiness has, has become defined as in the church world. But the Bible defines it differently. It's simpler the way the Bible defines it. I'll I'll show you right now. Holy. The Hebrew word for holiness is Kadesh. Say that with me. Say Kadesh. Oh, come on, Anchor Church. Say it like you mean it. Say Kadesh. Kadesh. And what it means is apartness. Set apart. Separateness. It just means to be different. Holy means to be different. It's not this super sacred, super spiritual, like ultra heavenly thing. It just means be different. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 say, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God chose you. God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Now, with that understanding that holy is super sacred, super spiritual, ultra heavenly, that's an intimidating verse. Be holy as God is holy. But when you understand it as it just means be separate, be different, let me, let me, let me read it to you a different way. But now you must be different in everything you do just as God who chose you is different. For the scriptures say you must be different because I am different. This is what our core value of reflecting is all about, right? Uh, Growing, learning, giving, reflecting, serving, reflecting. People, People don't understand that when they hear it, but this is what it's about. We are supposed to be different. Our lives are supposed to look different than the rest of the world so that we can reflect God to them, so that they can see Jesus in us. That's what this core value is all about. Be different because I am different. So not only are we freed from the power of sin, we're called to be different like God is different. We're called to be holy. Holiness is a destination. Holiness is the destination that we won't ever reach until our earthly bodies pass away. The process to getting to the destination is called sanctification. And the title of my message today is The Call to Sanctification. The process to getting to holiness is called sanctification. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage. He's talking about being sanctified in Christ, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. 
we're supposed to be continually becoming more and more like Jesus. The, the, the word Christian literally means little Christ. So that means we're supposed to be little versions of Jesus. So that means we're supposed to be becoming more and more like him, right? That is literally how it works. This is where sanctification comes into our lives. It makes us more like Jesus. Sanctification is defined by the dictionary like this. The process of being purified from sin. So to put it plainly, I've already said it. Sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification is the process of eliminating behaviors and and thoughts and attitudes that would grieve Christ and cause other people to stumble. That's what sanctification is. Let me say, I'll say it again. Sanctification is the process of eliminating all behaviors and thoughts that may grieve Christ and cause others to stumble. Now, sanctification is a really churchy word, right? And, and when, if, if I ask 10, 10 different people what sanctification is, I'd probably get 10 different perspectives on it. But what I want to do today is I want to I talk about what sanctification is, and I want to talk about what sanctification is not. First thing, sanctification is personal. Sanctification is personal, Romans 6.13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. No one else can make this decision for you. No one else can make the decision for you to use your body as an instrument for the glory of God. No one else can do that. It's, sanctification is a you decision. It's, it's up to you and you alone. You cannot rely on anybody else to make that decision for you. Adversely, you can't make that decision for anybody else, which scares the life out of me as a parent. Because if I could, I would choose for my kids, okay, you're always going to follow Jesus, right? And then you're, you're always going to continually become more like him. If I could, I would choose that for them, but I can't. Sanctification is a personal choice that each and every one of us has to make. God is calling us to it. It's up to us whether or not we step into it and we, we start pursuing that sanctification. Sanctification is personal. It's between you and God. And as, like I said, as much as I'd like to make that decision for my family, I can't. It's, it's up to us personally. It's up, your sanctification is up to you. Um, when I was 18 years old, a, a friend of mine helped change the course of my life forever. He, um, he introduced me to Jesus, right? He, he didn't change my circumstances or anything like that. He just pointed me to Jesus. And he introduced me to a relationship with Jesus and helped me understand what growing in a relationship with Jesus was. And, and it, was, it was awesome. But I thought all I said yes to was like, going to heaven one day and eternal life, right? And then I quickly found out, like, there's a lot more to this Christian thing than just going to heaven, right? I learned very young in my walk with Christ, like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to become more like Jesus. And, and I had a decision to make. Do I, settle for my, do I settle for the culture's version of faith where I proclaim one thing and do another? Or... Do I allow God to begin a transformational work of sanctification in my life? Do I allow God to to start working things out in me to become more and more like his son? Praise God that I chose to let him do his work in me. Because 
I mean, there's, there, I've experienced real life and real love through the sanctification process that God has, has been taking me through. And I say has been taking me through because the sanctification process never ends. It keeps going. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. Sanctification is a continual process that doesn't stop until we arrive at holiness at our physical death. So just be prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> um, see, I didn't want to just be another Christian, right? I didn't want to just be like, you know, like I think of Christian and I think of people who, who show up to church on Sundays and that's it. And then the way they live the rest of their life, like the other six days of the week, like it would make you blush. I, don't, I didn't want to be one of those Christians. I wanted, I wanted something deeper with the Lord. So I decided to pursue sanctification because I wanted to be like Jesus. Sanctification is personal. So that's the first thing sanctification is. It's personal. Next thing sanctification is, sanctification is positional. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is no sanctification without Jesus. If you think about the definition of sanctification, to become more like Jesus, if you're not a Christ follower, you cannot be sanctified. <laughs> so sanctification is positional. You, well, I just want to be a good person. Well, I mean, you're not a good person, you know, according to the standard of God, if you're not found in Christ, right? That's the standard. That's hard, probably hard to hear, but that is the truth. The standard is whether or not you're found in Christ. And we cannot be sanctified if we are not in Jesus. Sanctification is, if sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus, sanctification can't really happen if you're not in him. Sanctification is positional. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Uh, someone once asked a preacher, how can, this, how can this be? How can this be true that I'm in Christ and, and Christ is in me? How, how is that possible? And this is what the preacher did. He walked over to, to a sink and he filled up the sink with water. And then he pushed a, a glass in the sink down, all the way down to the bottom. So positionally, the, the cup was in the water, but there was also water in the cup, Right? Simple illustration, but that's how it works. That's how it's possible for us to be in Christ and for him to be in us at the same time. It's like an immersion thing, right? It's, it, it has to do with your entire life. We're either in Christ and set apart for him, or we're out of Christ and we're separated from him. So that's the, that was the second thing. Uh, next thing that, that sanctification is, sanctification is participatory not fun to say. Sanctification is participatory. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, above all you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Conducting yourselves, directing yourselves. God empowers you, right, to be sanctified. God empowers me to be sanctified but you participate in your own sanctification. Sanctification is the process. Uh, sanctification is a process, and the reason it's a process is because when you process through something hard, 
it's more valuable to you. If, if the moment we said yes to Jesus, he, he decided to sanctify us right there and change everything, like, I don't know. I mean, this is just conjecture. I feel like it'd be easier to walk away. When we're able to process through our own sanctification and participate in our own sanctification, it's more meaningful to us. And actually, when we we participate in our own sanctification, it takes us deeper in relationship with the Lord. It actually builds your faith to participate in your own sanctification. My, my own sanctification process caused me to go deeper in relationship with the Lord. Um, if if the sanctification is the process of eliminating all the behaviors that may grieve Christ and cause others to stumble, um, then continually growing in relationship with the Lord and going deeper in relationship with the Lord is a must. It's a must. If we're going to reflect God, right, core value reflecting, if we're going to reflect God to the world, we have to know how to do that. So how do we do that? We get to know him better. We grow in relationship with him. They go hand in hand. You have to be continually growing in your relationship with the Lord to be able to continue in the sanctification process. Paul tells the Philippians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work. He is at work in them. So because God is working, that's what motivates us. That's what drives us to do the work of, of sanctification. That's what strengthens us by his Holy Spirit to engage in the spiritual battle of this thing called sanctification. And, and I think battle, the battle image, the imagery of like being in a battle is, is very like relevant right like I think because you think about it like soldiers soldiers in war are not bystanders <laughs> they're not spectators they are probably the most actively engaged in anything you could actively be engaged in right like they are participating we participate in our own sanctification sanctification is personal Sanctification is positional. Sanctification is participatory. Now I want to talk about what sanctification is not. Sanctification is not perfection. Sanctification is not perfection. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says, Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Pressure off. (laughs) I, I hope somebody feels like the pressure has been lifted because... What, I'm, what I've been talking about to this point might sound to some like I'm saying, you have to be perfect, and that's not what I'm saying. Sanctification is not perfection. Because like just, Scripture just said, not a single person can always be good. Not a single person never sins. Too many, or to many people um, that have been in church a long time or have heard this, this word sanctification used, it has become synonymous with perfection it has become synonymous with kind of legalism and and that's not what it's about at all that's that's an incorrect perception of sanctification if, if sanct- sanctification is the process of eliminating all behaviors that grieve christ and cause others to stumble right but it's not becoming a perfect person and when we think that sanctification is becoming a perfect person we're actually putting a lot of very unreal expectations on everyone around us, including yourself. When you think it's perfection, 
you're holding people to an impossible standard. You're holding yourself to an impossible standard that you're bound to fail, and it's going to frustrate you. It's going to discourage you. It's going to potentially push you further away from the Lord. Sanctification is not perfection. Um, when I was about 19 years old, uh, my youth pastor and I were having a conversation. His name is Mike. And we were talking about this stuff. We were talking about holiness and sanctification and purity. And, and he asked me, he said, hey, Ryan, what, what, do, you think sanctific- or what do you think purity is? What, what is what, how would you define purity? How would you define this whole sanctification thing? And I said, I mean, being a, a new believer, right, I, I, it means not messing up. It means doing everything right, you know, whatever. And I'm, I look back at it now, I'm like, that was dumb. But, I mean, he was so gracious and so, so good. And, and, and what he said, his, his response to me has helped shape my theology ever since. Like, what he said to me was that, like, was that formative to my to my belief system. I thought, I thought like purity and sanctification and all that was never messing up. And he said, he said, Ryan, sanctification isn't, isn't being perfect. Purity isn't being perfect. It's not never messing up. He said, purity is when you're honest about it when you do mess up. Sanctification happens when you're honest about when you do mess up. Like, oh my gosh, like pressure, again, pressure off, right? Like I, I, I stopped feeling like I had to be perfect all the time, and, and now I could just let God do his thing in me. Sanctification is not perfection because not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. The next thing that sanctification is not, sanctification is not a feeling. Sanctification is not a feeling. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Put it to death. There will be times when you feel close to God. There will be times when you feel like in lockstep with him. You feel like, man, I know exactly where God is leading me. I know exactly what he's calling me to do, and I'm in it, and it, life is awesome. There will be those times. There will also be times where you feel so far away from God. There will also be those times where you feel like, man, I just cannot, I, I have no gauge on where God is leading. I have no, no idea what he's doing in my life. I have no idea. Man, life is overwhelming. We will have times like that. Despite how we feel, we're still called to sanctification. Despite... Despite how we're doing emotionally, despite how we're, we're, we're doing, you, you know, despite our feelings, we're still called to become more like Jesus. And it's actually in those times when we pursue sanctification despite our emotions, despite our feelings, that I think God does the most powerful work of transformation in our lives. When we say despite, Despite my circumstances, God, I want you. I want more of you. I want to be more like you. Despite how I'm feeling, despite what's going on, I just want you. That's, that's in my opinion, when God does the most transformative thing. Not that he only does it then, but that's when it's the most transformative. Here's what I know. Your feelings will lie to you a lot. My feelings lie to me a lot. 
not all the time, right? Like your feelings, sometimes your feelings are, are right and you should, you know, trust those sometimes. But like, I, I've learned that my emotions lie to me a lot and they, I cannot rely on my emotions to guide me into godliness. I cannot rely on my feelings to guide me into holiness. Can't do it. If we could rely on our feelings to, to make us more like Jesus, there would be no point into having God's word. <laughs> our emotions lie to us, and we have to be able to stand on the, the truth of the word of God no matter what our emotions tell us. This makes me think of, of what pilots go through when they train. Uh, when learning to fly, pilots are taught, you have to trust your instrument panel no matter what. No matter what you feel, you have to trust what the instrument panel is telling you because your, um, what is it, your, your eyes, your inner ear, and, and a guy said just your general kinesthetic senses can all be fooled. So you have to trust your instrument panel no matter how you feel. So uh, he, uh, this, this person who was explaining this to me uh, put it to me like this. So, so if, you're, if you're flying a plane and, and everything seems steady and, and, and you seem like you're at a good altitude and you're going good, but the instrument panel is going crazy, you're in trouble. It doesn't matter what's going on outside the plane. If the instrument panel is telling you, like, mayday, mayday, do something quick, like, you better listen. Adversely, if it looks like you're going down in flames and you're all over the place and turbulence and, and like, maybe you're flying upside down or something, but the instrument panel is steady, you're good. Sanctification is not a feeling. And God calls us to sanctification despite what's going on in our lives, despite how we feel. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that when I'm ready. I hope that works out for you, but like God calls us to that now. God wants us to be more like his son now. He wants us to start that process now. Sanctification is not a feeling. Last thing, sanctification is not. Sanctification is not just for the religious elite. Sanctification is not just for the religious elite. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them by, by the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus. He's, he's praying. In, in John chapter 17, it's, it's moments before Jesus is betrayed, and he starts praying. And I love this because Jesus isn't praying for the pope. He's not praying for pastors or priests. He's not praying for church boards or church staffs. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for all people who call him Lord. Jesus is praying for everyone who would be found in him ever. And what's his prayer? That we would be sanctified. That we would become more like him. That we would be sanctified by the truth of the word of God. Sanctification is not just for the religious elite. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm just not good like those pastors are. I'm just not good like, like you know, man, the Pope. He, he must be like this with God. You can be like this with God. Jesus calls us all to sanctification. He's calling you today to sanctification. 
His prayer for you is that you learn to become more like him. Sanctification is not just for the religious elite. God created every single human being in his image. In Genesis, the first page, right? For Genesis chapter 1. God created human beings in his image to be like him. Every single one of us. So that means when we're justified by the grace of God and we're found in Jesus and we're adopted into his family, we're supposed to begin the process of sanctification. We're supposed to begin the process of becoming more like him, of eliminating behaviors and thoughts that might grieve him and might cause other people to stumble. That's how it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, that doesn't get talked about much in the American church. But that's the truth. And I want us to to be aware of the truth. Sanctification isn't just for the spiritual A-list. There is no spiritual A-list. We're all sons and daughters of God. We're all on equal playing field. And God calls us all to sanctification by the truth of his word. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Sanctification is personal. Sanctification is positional. Sanctification, sanctification is participatory. Sanctification is not being perfect. Sanctification is not a feeling. And sanctification is not just for the religious elite. That word sanctification is starting to lose its meaning to me right now. <laughs> I've said it so much. So, um, Becoming more like Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in, in Romans 6. We're not compelled to sin anymore because Jesus freed us from that. Actually, we can become more and more like him. So if, if I could sum up all of Romans 6, stop sinning and become sanctified. Stop sinning. Become more like Jesus. Make the choice not to sin anymore and become more like him. I'm not saying this is easy at all. So please don't, please don't hear me say, sanctification is easy. Just what, what's your problem? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. It is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is to go through this process of sanctification, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I have been pulled deeper into relationship with God than I ever thought possible because of this. And I want that for my church. I want that for you guys. I want you to experience life with God like that. I want you to experience that kind of relationship, that, the depth of a relationship like that. Sanctification is a process. It doesn't ever stop. It doesn't, it doesn't stop until, until our earthly bodies pass away. There's a, a story that I want to read to you right now that summarizes this perfectly. Um, this story is from the perspective uh, it's from the perspective of an old man. It says, "Some years ago, my wife and I bought an old abandoned New Hampshire farm. We now call Peace Ledge. We found the site where we wished to build our country home strewn with rocks and boulders. It was going to take a lot of hard work to clear it all out. The first phase of the clearing process was easy. The big boulders went fast. And when they were gone, we began to see that there were a lot of smaller rocks that had to go too. But when we had cleared the site of the boulders and the rocks, we noticed all of the stones and pebbles we had not seen before. 
This was much harder, more tedious work, but we stuck to it. And there came the day when the soil was ready for planting grass. So this is, this is a picture of sanctification. I think if, if I could put his story in my own words, sanctification process can seem easy at first because the, the things that we need to change are glaring, right? If, if I have, I don't know, an addiction to stealing, if I'm a kleptomaniac, right? I have an addiction to stealing. It's really easy to like understand, okay, I need to stop that. But once, like once we, once we get those big boulders out, we start to see little things like, oh man, like I think I talk behind people's back a lot. That's not good. I think I might be a little lazy. That's not good, you know? And we, we start to get those things out of our life. And then, and then we get to the fine tooth, tooth comb things. Man, I think I need to spend more time with the Lord. The, the little pebbles, the little things that, that see, can seem insignificant, but when we get the big stuff out, we know, like, man, those things need to go too. The small things need to go too. Man, I, I need to die to myself more. I need to, I need to, to spend more time in the Word. I need whatever, whatever it is. Like, I, if, if, if I could summarize that story in my own words, I think that's what he's saying. It can seem easy at first because it's obvious what, what needs to go in our lives. But... The, the further along we go in the sanctification process, it requires more intentionality. It requires more, um, yeah, just intentionality, more, more attention to detail. Jesus wants us to become more like him. And, and again, I'm not talking about perfection. And I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying he's called each and every one of us to this. The worship team is going to lead us in a, a just a, a time of reflection right now, a time to just maybe sit and pray if you want. Ask the Lord for, for direction. Ask him to, to clarify some things if maybe some things are unclear for you. Or um, if you want to sing along with a song, you can. Um, the worship team is going to do a, a new song. It's Well, it's not new, but I don't think we've ever done it here. Um, and it talks about this. It talks about being holy. It talks about God being holy, and it talks about us being holy. And, and for us to be holy, H-O-L-Y, we have to be holy, His. W-H-O-L-L-Y. We have to be completely His if we're going to become more like Him. So as the worship team leads us, uh, I want you to, to meditate or pray or sing, but, but let's like take this time and, and make it personal between you and the Lord. You can stand if you're, if you're comfortable or wanting to do that. If you want to sit, that's fine too. The worship team's going to lead us, and then I'll come back up and uh, I'll pray for us. The worship team, lead us. Jesus, that's my prayer today for us as Anchor Church is that we would be wholly yours that we would be completely and totally yours. God, you call us to righteous living. You call us to holiness. You call us to be sanctified by the truth of your word, but we can't do it if we're not completely surrendered to you. We can't do it if we're not empowered by your spirit. So God, I pray right now for anybody who might, God, who might 
be holding on, who, who might not have surrendered everything, God, I pray that you would move us, that you would inspire us to surrender all to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for your grace as we consider as we consider this calling to sanctification. I pray for your, your mercy and patience, God, that you would that you would teach us what it means to be sanctified, what it looks like to become more like your son, what what it looks like to what it looks like to remove to eliminate the behaviors the thoughts that grieve you and might cause other people to stumble God we love you we we give you all the glory in Jesus name I pray amen there might be some people here um, you can you can be seated. You can be seated for a moment. Sorry. There might be some here that that as as I'm talking or as we're we're praying that you might think like, man, this sanctification thing doesn't apply to me because I don't know Jesus. I, I I'm not in a relationship with Him. I've never submitted to Him. Well, today could be the day where all that changes. Whether you're you're in the room or you're you're worshiping with us online. Today can be the day where you say yes to Jesus, where you say yes to his grace and mercy and love, and you allow him to start sanctifying you by the truth of his word. With head, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask if that's you today. Say, I want Jesus. I'm going to ask you at the count of three to raise your hand so that I can know who to pray for. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. I just, again, I just want to know who I'm going to, who I'm praying with. So if that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be sanctified by his word. At the count of three, raise, raise your hand. One, God loves you so, so much. Two, it's time to come home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so that I can know that I'm praying with you. Thanks back. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Man. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you. This is what I want to do right now. If you raised your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask, but I'm going to ask everybody in the house to repeat after me so that nobody feels singled out. Nobody feels like I'm picking on them. So I'm going to ask everybody in the house to repeat after me. Say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I know I'm not who you've called me to be. I know I haven't lived up to your standard. And I'm sorry. I know your son died for me, and I receive your forgiveness today. Sanctify me by your truth. I want to be more like you. Help me to put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's awesome. I love that. I'm so 
excited. Like God is doing things in our church, guys. Um, if you did pray that prayer, whether you're in the house or you're online, um, go to the info booth and and let them know like you, you prayed that prayer and, and they have some resources for you that, that they want to put in your hands to help you get started on your journey. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, um, that's awesome. Let us know. Email us. Give us a call. Let us know so, so we can get some resources to you. Uh, we don't want you we don't want you to just like be on your own now. We want to equip you to be able to to get started strong. So really quickly before we end, I have some next steps. And these next steps are just things that we can do to to tangibly take the message and, and apply it to our lives this week. So um, there are three of them. This week I will memorize Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Next, this week I will examine myself to see what areas of my heart and life need to be surrendered to God. And this week I will pray and ask the Holy Spirit for power to choose actions and words that honor God. Again, this whole sanctification thing, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy and it's not about perfection, but we, we are called to it. God calls us to become more like him and he empowers us to do it when we make that choice. So everybody stand with me if you would, please. I'm gonna pray one last time and then we can be dismissed. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I pray blessing on my church family. I pray, pray God, that, that you would continue a mighty work that you've begun in me, continue a mighty work that you've begun in us. God, and, and, and help us become more like you so that we can be a light to our community. Thank you, God. And finally, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he, called, for he who calls you is faithful. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Thanks for joining us, worshiping with us. Have a great week. We will see you next time.